0: The baskets of severed hands set down at the feet of the European commanders became the symbol of the Congo Free State. That's how US author Peter Forbath described it in his book, The River Congo. Collecting hands had become an end in itself. Soldiers of the Force Publique brought the hands instead of rubber. It is estimated that up to 15 million people died during Leopold II's rule, either due to the repression or the terrible living conditions imposed on the local population with widespread disease and malnourishment. This was the way Leopold II of Belgium liked his colony to run. Somehow the villains get way more attention. People like hearing about the bad guys much more than they do the good. And man, have we found a bad guy for you. Just when you thought we'd run out of horrible, evil people from history, you're about to find out that there was one, uh, not even that long ago, who really should be in, in the list of the worst people to have ever ruled over a, a piece of the earth. Awful, awful guy. Leopold the Second of Belgium. I'm sitting with Anthony Miedera, who's my co-host on Blind History. So, I mean, just, Right off the bat, do you agree with me? This guy's got to be in the hall of the damned.
1: Yeah, he's just horrible. 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 The more I investigated it, it was just terrible what he actually did and what he got away with. He was smooth, eh? But he did. very
0: few redeeming qualities in this this guy. He was like a materialistic, greedy, jumped up suddenly, not even particularly well-established dynasty in Belgium. He was only the second king. And the things he did in the Congo, really... I mean, for what he did there, Belgium shouldn't really even be a country anymore. I
1: think that he's <laughs> – I don't want to get into the Belgium side, but but uh, but imagine him sitting around a dinner table with all the other kings and queens. I mean, he must have really felt he must have inferiority complex. You know, he's oh. a speck in Western Europe.
0: Maybe that's why he did what he did. Leopold II was the second king of Belgium. His father, Leopold I, was really installed after the 1830 – um, unrest in Europe and a fairly new kingdom established out of part of Holland, which also was sometime part of France, sometimes part of Germany. Um, this was a, a strange new nation that was forged and Leopold I was not a particularly great guy either. Um, he also tried to establish colonies all over the world, but really succeeded in nothing um, and he He had a wife who they didn 't have a particularly happy marriage. The, the wife, Leopold II, who we're talking about now, his mother, was always very mean to him. She uh, she used to say he had a nose like a beak, and he looked like some kind of bird, which is not nice. Not a lot of love from either of his parents. That's scary. I but think have you seen
1: his – I mean, you obviously have seen his nose. Well, <laughs> you can go
0: – there are lots and lots of statues to this guy all over Belgium, and we'll explain why in a little while. But – uh, Leopold II had a very unhappy childhood, and that must have had some effect on him because he certainly didn't care much about other people later on in life. And um, I think maybe the inferiority complex you've referred to is a big part of this, but by the time he inherited the throne, he was ready to do some damage. Yeah,
1: and at that time, the kings and the queens had very little power in in Europe, yeah. in Western Europe particularly, and I think that played a big role. I think he mentioned in passing to Wilhelm II – you know, all that's really left for us now, we've got no power, is to make money. Right. And you can actually see the threat threes life is just about this drive to make money at any cost.
0: Well, at any cost is about right because he had his eyes, his greedy little eyes, on the Congo, which was really the only part of Africa that was left. And the reason that the Congo was left is because it was impenetrable. It was forest. It was the the basin of the Congo River was just this impenetrable place. Nobody had been there and nobody had explored there there was one guy called Henry Morton Stanley who'd actually sent letters to Queen Victoria saying listen this place is actually quite a good prize she ignored him and Leopold found out about these letters and he decided this is worth investigating mm. so he actually brought Henry Morton Stanley on board
1: but the big thing was that he really felt you know he really was then very famous and like we've surmised, Belgium was a speck on the map and he wasn't really gonna get into bed with Belgium and Leopold. He was trying to court the bigger players. And as you rightly said, when Queen Victoria you know said no, thank you, we're not we're not getting involved, he started to run out of options and he ended <laughs> up with Leopold.
0: Now he used to do some pretty dodgy things. He basically played parlor tricks on the very simple people of the Congo, and he used these tricks to persuade them that white people had magical powers. For example, he would ask a, a Congolese guy to shoot him with a gun, but he'd already removed the bullet, and then he would fall down when the gun went off. He would get back up as if by magic and then shake the bullet out of his shoe to prove sure. that you can't kill white yeah. people. He would he would attach through a battery-operated machine. I mean, this is the early Victorian era a machine that allowed him to shake hands much more strongly than anyone else. So he would hurt these people who shook his hand, told them that he had strength to uproot trees just with his own native energy. And he really terrified these guys like he had magic. You know, he would he would do essentially the kind of tricks that we would laugh at these days. But he completely, I suppose he just overwhelmed these guys yeah. from the Congo and they I- fell for him. They signed off anything that he'd asked them to in exchange for like a few Meters of cloth and you know some trinkets.
1: Yeah, that that was very sad. And he goes down in history as well, Morton Stanley, as an unsavory character, and rightly so. But you know, maybe he was touched. With he got malaria a few times, and maybe f- the fried his brain
0: cells. It might have, or he was just a horrible person, because we know that that's true for Leopold. Uh, They established this thing called the Congo Free State, which was really a a private company. It was a a company owned by Leopold. He he was the sole ruler of that place. It wasn't a colony. Mm. It was just one man's absolute greed. And he was in charge of everything. And thanks to Stanley getting all these chiefs to sign on, he had proof when he went to the Berlin Conference that he deserved to go into the Congo and to make it work and to, and he said, spread Christianity. Correct. You know, to make
1: civilized yeah, and also to abhor slavery. Oh, yeah. He said, All well, we'll, those...
0: root, we'll root slavery out because there was quite a, a substantial slave trade in the east of Africa. And he said, you know, many Congolese people are being taken advantage of. So I'll go in and do the right thing.
1: It lasted a number of years, decades, actually, for that matter, that people believed him There wasn't a lot of information that came out of the Congo. It was quiet. you know. Hmm. The the missionaries that were in the Congo at the time, they were scared because they were supported by the European powers. So they were actually very scared to talk out. So the poor people were getting decimated and nobody knew about it.
0: We'll talk about the kind of decimation that was happening because it was actually probably the most revolting genocide that most people don't even know about, especially people in Belgium. But um, Leopold also paid people off. He burnt all the records. So there's there's not a huge amount of firsthand information available to people who are researching this stuff. And if you consider that by the end, the tally was something like 70 to 90% of the population of the Belgian Congo was exterminated by Leopold and his forces. There were some very evil men involved here. But the things that happened, and I know people like a bit of blood and guts and gore. There were instructions, for example, that were sent out that you were not to waste bullets on killing people who rebelled or who didn't work hard enough. So you had to provide for every bullet that you used a hand, a human hand. So they would sever the hands off of
1: people. Off the dead person.
0: Or off living ones to prove that they'd killed, you know, because Mm. they might have wanted to shoot some gorilla or something as a trophy. And they used to incentivize, an in inverted commas, the colonial masters, the governor's general, to get the guys to work really hard. And they would work these poor people to the bone. They'd basically cover themselves in rubber. And then when they got back, the rubber would be cut off of them. And if they didn't bring back enough rubber, then they'd be killed. They'd be beaten. They'd lose a hand. They'd lose a foot. They'd have their genitals cut off. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you'd yeah. expect from, you know, Vikings in the 600s A.D., But also they kidnapped
1: their daughters and they kidnapped their wives. And and you can just imagine how traumatizing that is. And so they would do anything to make sure that they are safe. They're going to be killed if you don't collect X, Y, and Z. As that rubber started getting less and less in the areas that their villages were, they had to go further and further away, weeks away, to get rubber to try and keep up with the quotas.
0: Apparently, one of Leopold's lieutenants in Africa – Who, who managed most of the, of the Congo from inside the Congo. He used to actually keep skulls as decorations in his garden. And that's the kind of thing that you, you know, you read that in like horror novels and made up movies about bad people. This was a real person. And in fact, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, uh, the, the one character, I think his name was Kuntz or whatever his name was. They based this, this character largely on this guy. Horrible, horrible person.
1: Yeah, this is, These are real people and what they have done. It's worse than any horror.
0: I'm just going to read this to you quickly. The missionary John Harris of Beringa was so shocked by what he'd encountered that he wrote to Leopold's chief agent in the Congo saying this. I've just returned from a journey inland to the village of Isongo Mboyo. The abject misery and utter abandon is positively indescribable. I was so moved, Your Excellency, by the people's stories that I took the liberty of promising them that in the future you will only kill them for crimes they commit.
1: Yeah.
0: Horrible. Did you also read about how he had like a museum of the of Central Africa where he, he just brought in chains like fifty to a hundred Congolese people.
1: It's a human, uh, it like was a, a human zoo. zoo.
0: And they, they would just they would make these people live outside. Many of them died of pneumonia and flu. And people would come and throw bananas and peanuts at them. And really it's just the most ugly all the all the things that you know people complain about in racism mm. now. I think if they knew what actually happened exactly. under Leopold, they'd feel a lot more justified. Very sad. Well He made a lot of money, old Leopold II, a huge amount of money out of the Congo Free State. And he had this force publique, which was really a mercenary army. And he recruited from all over Europe, lots of people who had an adventurous spirit, thought, ah, this is the way for me to gain fame and fortune. And they would join his army. And he'd even recruit Congolese and Tanzanian and people from Zanzibar and Dar es Salaam to to join his army. And to do the dirty work. To do the dirty work, exactly. And, These guys were were paid probably quite well for the time, but they only realized when they got there what they were actually required to do Mm -hmm. and how this was probably the biggest slave camp in the world since slavery had been abolished.
1: A lot of them got – even the people from Belgium that were there, like you mentioned, the governor general, Mm. they became desensitized by these acts that were carried out all the time.
0: We've seemed to have focused only on the Congo, but really that is his legacy. He, he tried to make his legacy look very different, Leopold II. He built huge monuments and museums and palaces and public buildings all over Belgium with the riches that he'd, he'd gained. He became, I I think in today's money, a billionaire and was certainly one of the richest people in the world by the time that he died. And all of that was just taken straight out of the Congo, straight into his pocket. There are statues all over. Belgium to him to this day, despite the fact that he has this onerous reputation and even the reputation that he's never, it's never been taught in Belgian schools that Leopold was this monster. It's mostly because of either missionaries who weren't afraid to speak up, a commission of inquiry that he actually sent there, which backfired horribly on him because he thought he could pay people off. And they met a missionary called Harris and he and his wife had detailed some of the atrocities that had happened. She'd been a photographer and she even had photographic evidence of some of the horrible things that had happened. Arthur Conan Doyle, the famous British writer, Mark Twain knew about the atrocities going on in the Congo. They wrote pamphlets, they wrote articles, they wrote opinion pieces for newspapers. And by the end of his life, he must have realized, I'm in big trouble here. This is not going to go down well in the books of history.
1: He knew the writing was on the wall, that you can't keep this private colony anymore hmm. but why it took so long and he could maximize his earn out so to speak was because britain and portugal and all the other countries they weren't squeaky clean if you look at what yeah. happened in south africa you look at what happened in eastern africa you look at india and what the english were doing in india so they for a while they they kept quiet so they also in the beginning they let me say liked his methods because they were successful hmm. so they started sure. employing Similar type of method. And so, he was oh,
0: supplying sim- important things like rubber, which had become a massive commodity. Yeah, exactly. Because cars had started taking off mm-hmm. and bicycles, and they needed rubber for the tires. And Leopold was probably providing almost all of the world's rubber at that point.
1: But then it ran out. So he basically sucked the Congo dry. Ivory was no longer important and it also had been decimated. And then the rubber, that there was nothing left in the Congo. So his profit that he could get out of it was nothing. Belgium didn't want it because there was debt. There was hell. It was an absolute mess, but they, they didn't have a choice. But what he did was he ultimately sold. Yeah. He sold it, and he had debt to the government, which they were scrubbed off. They also gave him, I think it was 50,
0: I don't know what the… 50 million francs at Franks. that point. Francs, yeah.
1: There was a significant amount of money that he got out of it when yeah. he finally sold so it. So
0: if nothing else, you've got to say he was like… One of those hedge fund managers that kind of sold out to everybody in, the, in the, the housing market in the U.S. Yeah. They're they just mercenary. They, yeah. they, they, he At very least, you've got to tip your hat to the fact that as a businessman, this guy yeah. was just a machine. Yeah, he, didn't, nice. he didn't have any heart or soul. He was probably the least humanitarian person alive in the late 1800s, but he knew how to make money.
1: Yeah, he did. They're scratching to find the positive sides. He, he, he just forced <laughs> – parliament to fortify parts of Belgium and it paid off in 1914 with the war. So he'd set that up. But you know that when he was buried, the Belgians booed him Hmm. and obviously there was a lot of propaganda afterwards to, to sort of improve his name, but it was not for what happened in Africa, but his personal life. He loved teenage girls. Well, he uh, took a,
0: a very famous mistress at the end of his life. He was in his 50s. She was 16, and she was a prostitute. Yes. And uh, he tried to marry her, in fact. There was a he, big was, argument yeah. between the heirs to the throne and his sons through this woman, Caroline ch- Caroline ch- Lacroix okay. was her name. They adopted the kids in 1910. Leopold granted them courtesy titles. And they should have been in line to the throne because he did try to marry her. Mm. The family that that he founded, that his father founded, are still in command, Mm -hmm. at least constitutional monarchs in Belgium. And uh, I'm sure that there's going to be much more in the future that will force them to account for their ancestors' bad behavior.
1: There's also a little bit of blood on their hands by the other colonists. Oh, Sure. You know the, the yeah. mad scramble for Africa. Then you get this Morton Stanley, shady character, and it just—it was all just a pot of evil.
0: Well, I, I think that probably this guy deserves to go down as one of the most horrible people in history. Certainly, you know there there are kings who were much more bloodthirsty personally, and kings who killed more people by their own hand. But this guy seems to have ordered, without any compunction, the death of. Of many millions They say it's somewhere between 4 and 12 million people May have died In the Congo During his reign there And that's just An astronomical number Apparently the fourth Biggest genocide in history If you think That all the bad bad people The really evil people Lived very long ago And that Stalin and Hitler Were you know Aberrations You know literally 40 years before Hitler and Stalin There was this guy Leopold of Belgium And he was just as goddamned evil Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Did you find anything about him that you thought was praiseworthy? No. (laughs) I must be honest with you, I tried.